In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. Thanks as always to the consistent sponsors of this show and all of the Blue Wire Podcast shows. So, how do you feel this morning? How'd you feel yesterday? Because it's a new day in Detroit. Matt Patricia, no longer the head coach, Bob Quinn. No longer the general manager. That's sunk in a little bit. NFL games have happened since. So the NFL world is moving on. There's already another opening for a general manager in Jacksonville. As the Jaguars have fired Dave Caldwell. So yeah, these things are happening. These things are occurring and We're going to dive into kind of how attractive this job ends up being over the next few weeks. We've got a lot of time now, and and you want to see how some things shake out in some other places, be it Chicago, which happens to be on TV right now as we're recording this, or obviously what happens with the head coaching situation in Jacksonville, the head coaching situation with the Jets. There are going to be potentially some other spots to at least pay attention to when it comes to front office and it comes to head coaches. So we're going to get into that. There's obviously plenty of time to really dig in. But today we're going to jump into potential head coach candidates and we're going to get into potential general manager candidates later this week, possibly even tomorrow. And just to give you a kind of a primer a little bit give you an idea of kind of what to look for as a lot of these coaches, whether on the college level or the NFL level, are going to be coaching over the next month or so. So if you want to start watching some people, want to start looking at some guys, saying, hmm, maybe, maybe possibly, and you want to start doing some of your own research, then hopefully this will help a little bit. Understand, however, that what we're going to go through today is not a complete list, not even close, because realistically, considering Sheila Fordham said that they're going to cast basically a pretty wide net and be open to everything, you can probably list 30 to 40 candidates for each position and still not even have a complete and total list, because let's be honest, how many people last year would have had Joe Judge who's now the Giants head coach, on a list? Or how many people a couple years ago, people would have had Frank Reich, but he didn't get any sort of attention and ended up being a last-minute hire by Indianapolis. And by the way, that Frank Reich situation in particular 
is worth paying attention to just because it's a reminder that the hot coach, the hot name, isn't necessarily the right one, isn't necessarily the one that's going to work. Sometimes it's the guy that ends up being the afterthought, and that's okay because the head coach hiring, the general manager hiring, it is not a science. It is very much a crapshoot. You very much have to have some luck. You have to have some hope. You have to have some synergy with the general manager. I think there are some metrics you can probably look at for success, but they're not as obvious, at least as of now, as what you think they might be. People love bringing up, oh, they have to have been a coordinator. Well, but did you? Oh, you have to have NFL coaching experience. But, well, do you? Like, that's that's part of it, right? Like, sometimes the young guy makes the most sense. Sometimes the older coach makes the most sense. Some of it's situational. Some of it isn't. Some of it is just unpredictable. And that's part of it. Why was Pete Carroll successful at USC and Seattle, but not successful with the Jets and with New England? For example, like some of this stuff matters. Sometimes a guy needs to go through it the first time in order to be successful the second time. Sometimes the guy is successful the first time and it doesn't work the second time. All of these things are possible. So just understand that as we get into what is going to be a very potentially long head coach and general manager hiring season. And I think it's even harder to hire a good head coach than a good general manager. Uh, even though, frankly, general managers usually get one shot and sometimes head coaches will get two or three depending on the head coach. And we're going to get into that too. So all of that said, let's jump into some names. And we're going to go through a few of them here. We're going to start with what I would call the quote-unquote up-and-comers, the coordinators, some assistant coaches that are on the NFL level that would make sense. And the first name we're going to look at is Robert Saleh, the defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. And while it will be a little bit different for Detroit to go from inexperienced defensive coach to inexperienced defensive coach, at least as a head coach, I think personally he's a really good and a really strong candidate. The 41-year-old ran a defense that reached a Super Bowl a year ago, and he's, yeah, that defense has been ravaged by injuries this season, but look at what they did on Sunday against the Rams. And even though they've been ravaged by injuries, he's still been, that team is still competitive. Now, some of that obviously has to do with Kyle Shanahan, but a lot of that has to also do with Robert Saleh. So that's something to really, really think about there. He's been particularly good with linebackers in his career, and linebackers right now are one of the biggest black holes with this team as far as talent goes. And that's going to be a position group that's going to need a major overhaul no matter who ends up being the head coach based off of who they have right now and, and what they have and kind of what maybe the new coach is going to want. So that's part of it. And he also knows how to run an aggressive, fast defense. I mean, look at what they've done, particularly to Green Bay. Look at what they did to Green Bay last year in the NFC title game. Like, he's a good coach. And if you're looking for a coach that understands the Lions, he's maybe going to be the one more than any other candidate out there, except for possibly one guy we'll get to later. That is going to make sense. Why is that? He grew up in Dearborn. That's like literally a town over from where the Lions practice in Allen Park, if you're not from the southeast Michigan area. Literally, when back in the olden days when we would work at the team facility, 
a lot of times I would go grab lunch at Westbourne Market in Dearborn. Like, that's how close they are. It's literally an exit, a five-minute drive, if that, away from Allen Park. He went to Northern Michigan. He coached briefly at Michigan State and at Central Michigan. So he understands the Lions and what they've been and what they're trying to be. So to me, he's a guy that I think should get a really long look. Next guy is Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. He's 51, and there's a good chance he'd bring an Andy Reid-style offense, which is very much kind of the in-vogue type of offense right now. And this is certainly an offensive league, so it would put the Lions more in kind of what's been working in the NFL right now. He has an experience as a former player, which helps, and he's been a bunch of different places between college and the NFL, including Colorado, obviously Kansas City for a while. He's also probably the hottest name out there. I think he's going to get a lot of interviews. I think he's going to have pretty much his pick of places. So it could come down to who the GM is and if it's a guy that he feels comfortable working with. So all of those things are something to consider. Now, remember what I said at the top about the hot name isn't always the guy that works out the best. And... That's just something to think about with Eric Bieniemy, but he certainly is deserving of being a candidate and deserves a real shot because I think he has a chance to be a really good head coach. So that's kind of candidate number two. And these, by the way, are in no particular order. The next guy is Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. He's coached both offense and defense on multiple levels. He's not maybe the hot name. You're not probably hearing as much about him, maybe even within the Colts itself because of Matt Eberflus, who we'll get to in a minute. But he's done a good job with the Colts offense. He's been diverse in the positions he has coached, which helps as far as being more of a CEO. So he's coached quarterbacks, receivers, and defensive backs in his career. And he's worked under a bunch of systems, Kansas City under Todd Haley and Romeo Crennel, the Chargers under Mike McCoy, and obviously now in Indianapolis under Frank Reich. And that's one other thing when I'm talking about Nick Sirianni and other people. I think it matters more that the head coach is able to manage people and able to manage egos and able to be more of a CEO because that is not what Matt Patricia was. I think we all know that. That is very much what Jim Caldwell was. And yes, this is kind of that ping pong thing, right, that teams do where they'll go from one thing to the next to, you know, and they'll keep going opposites, bounce, 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 bounce. But I think overall, whether it's a defensive coach or an offensive coach or a special teams coach, whether it's a guy who's a little bit maybe harder or a guy who's a little bit more of a player's coach, they need to just be a good manager. And that is something that Matt Patricia absolutely was not. That is something that Jim Caldwell really was. And that is something that if you look at most coaches, including Bill Belichick, and they think is why Belichick works so well, and maybe some of the others that come from his tree don't, is their ability to manage, manage different styles of players, manage different personalities, but also just manage everybody. Like, think about it. Jim Caldwell managed to keep almost everybody happy, even players who kind of were frustrated and disappointed. They still like Jim Caldwell a lot. So I hate to come back to Jim Caldwell over and over, but that's just kind of, I think, the type of CEO that you need to really run a successful team and a successful organization. That's just, at least on the pro level. College is a completely different story, but at least on the pro level. 
The next guy I want to talk about is Matt Eberfluss, the defensive coordinator in Indianapolis. He's really put a good together a good defense Sunday against Tennessee, notwithstanding. And I think he'd be attractive for a lot of different reasons. He's from Toledo, so obviously another guy that at least would understand what's gone on with the Lions in the past. And I don't think that's something that's you know important necessarily because like people know, but I think it can help as far as like understanding the culture that you're trying to change. Uh, he's mostly spent his career on the defensive side of the ball. He's largely worked with linebackers and safeties. And he's got a good amount of experience between college and the NFL, which I think can be helpful to relating to younger players on the roster. And that's important too, again, with managing egos. And we'll be back with a ton of other candidates right after this on the Mike Rock. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over, much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new, new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates who resume, whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year. Only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. 
let's just jump right back in to Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. Obviously a former NFL quarterback. He's made a pretty quick rise up the coaching ranks since getting involved with the Arizona Cardinals in 2016 as an intern and then 2017. He became Arizona's offensive coordinator midway through the 2018 season. Then last year he landed in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians for a second stint with him and he's run the offense there. Listen, he'd have locker room credibility instantaneously as a former player and I think that that could help too. The Lions haven't really gone the former player route in a while uh as Matt Patricia obviously not a former player Jim Caldwell not a former player Jim Schwartz not a former player so it's been a minute since they've gone that direction when it's been at least with a head coach obviously they've gone that way with general managers as Martin Mayhew was a former player a former defensive back for a while but that could be an interesting way to go too when you're looking at a coach's background so something to consider specifically with Byron Leftwich. next guy I want to look at is Joe Brady the offensive coordinator in Carolina and listen if he gets a head coaching job this year as we were talking about with a fast rise like Byron Leftwich, like this would be meteor like massive this would be like a rocket ship right to the top but I've always believed, and I think you kind of consensus already, it's about the candidate and not necessarily how long he's coached or where he's been. I think it's the plan that he has and whether or not he can hold a locker room and whether or not he's a winner. So he's 31, and personally he might be a year away, but if you're, say, the Lions or you're the Jaguars if they move on from Doug Marone or you're another team uh, the Jets obviously would be a little bit of I think a tricky situation because you probably need a little bit more media experience to go to New York personally having grown up there and, and knowing what that landscape is like but if you win it doesn't matter so you look at some of the other openings though and Joe Brady should be a guy that people talk to and if you believe in him if you believe he's a guy that can be a star for you, you take him a year early versus waiting, and then you're not going to be able to get him, and three years later, you're not going to be able to get him at all. You almost have, sometimes have to act a year early, and obviously like the Rams did that with Sean McVay. So Joe Brady may be on that type of track, especially if you're potentially looking at a rebuild. And if you're looking at a rebuild and you know you're going to give that coach a lot of time, which frankly anyone the Lions hire this time around – should be given unless it's just an abject disaster like I'm talking about like locker room situation like off-field stuff like they're gonna have to rebuild this whole roster and it's gonna take time so hiring a younger coach who you can then be patient with as they also grow into the role might be something that could be very beneficial if you think that they can be a star down the road which Joe Brady could very well be he was named the best assistant coach in college football last season at LSU. He jumped to the NFL. He's obviously had some success already with Carolina. You saw what he did a couple of weeks ago now, or I guess it was only a week ago, against the Lions with an XFL quarterback and P.J. Walker. So you've seen that already. And he's coached an offense and coached an offense well, even though they've dealt with injuries. Teddy Bridgewater was obviously hurt for at least a game. Russell Alcoon has been hurt. Christian McCaffrey's barely played this year. And they're still at least being productive. So Joe Brady's another guy to look at. 
Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, he had a really good day on Sunday. He runs one of the best offenses in the league. He's another, like Eric Bieniemy, really hot name that's going to get a lot of attention, I think, here during this cycle. He's helped resurrect Ryan Tannehill. He's coached both offense and defense. And when you look at him, understand that when you look at kind of that resume right off the bat, you're going to see a lot of only one organization, which you would think might only be one way of thinking, except, and this is where I think he should maybe get a lot of credit, he has been a guy that's stuck around, not only coached offense and defense, but he's stuck around in Tennessee throughout multiple staffs. My count, four different staffs. So he's seen a multitude of approaches and he's seen a multitude of things that he could potentially take from and pull from and not just one vision, which is obviously what happened with Matt Patricia. So I wouldn't be in Arthur Smith's case as concerned about only being in one place because he's had the vantage point of multiple different situations, winners and losers, different schemes, all of that. So I think that can help. Another name I would want to look at is Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach in Kansas City as an up-and-comer. Obviously, former Northwestern quarterback, played in the league for a minute with Philadelphia. I think he's got some real potential there. Um, I would imagine if Eric Bieniemy gets a head coaching job and Kafka does not, that Kafka would end up an offensive coordinator somewhere, whether that ends up being in Kansas City or maybe wherever Eric Bieniemy goes if Andy Reid allows him to go there. So I I would say that he's another guy that's a young guy that you should maybe kind of take a peek at, take a look at when you're looking at up-and-comers. So next I want to look at guys from college, and we're keeping this strictly to head coaches from college. There are a few coordinators out there that could be potentially really interesting, and before we go on, I just want to say that's obviously not a complete list of up-and-coming coaches, and we'll hit on another up-and-coming coach who's, to me, more of a wild-card candidate toward the end of the podcast, but I want to make sure that that's, you understand that's not a complete list. That's just kind of a first grouping of guys to really start looking at. And we're going to be updating this probably at least once a week in some form or fashion. But jumping into the guys from college, and again, we're just sticking to head coaches here. Guys like Brent Venables, who's the defensive coordinator at Clemson, would be incredibly interesting but I think that's potentially a big jump. A guy like Todd Monken, who has some NFL experience, would also be super interesting, but that's not necessarily as big of a jump. So we're just looking at head coaches here to make that move, just to be clear. The first guy I want to look at is Dan Mullen from Florida. And I think if he's, if they're going to go the college route, you might reach out to Ryan Day at Ohio State, but... And you should make that phone call, but that feels like a pipe dream at this point, so we're not going to spend much time on it right now. But I would look at Dan Mullen at Florida, and here's why. He's created a winner at Mississippi State before he got to Florida. He's had success developing NFL players there, including Darius Slay and Dak Prescott, and he's been consistently strong at Florida. Yeah, no, he doesn't have any NFL experience, but that is okay. Not every successful coach in the NFL has had a bunch of NFL experience. So I think that you can live with that if you are 
the Lions if you think that you have a guy that will work and a guy that is a winner, especially as we see offenses and therefore defenses kind of become more and more similar and more and more spread out like it is in the college game. Dan Mullen is a really, really good football coach. He's 48 years old, so he's 28-6 and six in his time at Florida. Like, the guy can frankly just coach. And just to give you a quick recap of his resume, he started off as a wide receivers coach at Wagner, then he was a wide receivers coach at Columbia, then he was a GA at Syracuse for a year in 1998, then he was a GA at Notre Dame, then he was a quarterbacks coach at Bowling Green, the quarterbacks coach at Utah, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Florida. By the way, that is all under Urban Meyer. Then he became the head coach at Mississippi State and now the head coach at Florida. He's 97-52 and 52 overall as a head coach. He's been able to win in the quote-unquote playoffs because he's 7-2 and two in bowl games. The guy can flat coach. He really, really can. And, I mean, Mississippi State's a hard place to win, and he was went 69-46 and 46 there. Like, that's that's not bad at all. And then he's taken over a power in Florida, ten and three, eleven and two, seven and one so far this season. So the guy can win, and that should be really attractive to the Lions. The next head coach I would look at from the college level is Matt Campbell from Iowa State. To me, Campbell's a guy that will end up in the NFL eventually. He just has that feel, potentially. Or he could end up down the road from the Lions at Michigan, maybe one day, possibly. He's been an offensive coach the majority of his career. He's often been an offensive line coach, much like Dan Mullen. He's never coached in the NFL, but I don't think that that should be something that deters the Lions if they feel like he is the right guy because coaching is coaching, and I truly believe that. He's 41 years old. His record, his career record is 33-27, and 27, but he's had it a lot more difficult. He t- he was coaching at Toledo for a while, then he took over Iowa State, which is not a program that is a big winner. He is 33 and 27, sorry, at Iowa State, which is pretty darn good for Iowa State. He's 68 and 42 overall. So obviously that's a little bit better and I apologize there. He's only had one losing season in his career and that was his first year at Iowa State when he went 3 and 9. So he knows how to build a little bit. He went 9 and 4, 7 and 5, 9 and 4, 9 and 2 at Toledo. Then he went 3 and 9, 8 and 5, 8 and 5, 7 and 6 and they're currently 7 and 2 at Iowa State. He knows how to maintain programs, which is not something that would have to happen with the Lions because this is more of a rebuild. But he did that at Toledo, taking over for Tim Beckman. But he knows how to rebuild like he's done at Iowa State. And they're they're legit. And I think he's a really good coach. The question would be whether he wants to go to the NFL now and whether or not that would work out. The third kind of college coach that I would want to look at is right now is Lincoln Riley, the head coach at Oklahoma. I think people know Lincoln Riley at this point. They understand Lincoln Riley at this point. And you know what you're getting there. He's been connected with NFL jobs before. He obviously hasn't made the jump, but he's a brilliant offensive mind. In three years, think about this, he's coached three NFL quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. 
Like, and we'll see what happens here with Jalen Hurts going forward as it seems like they're maybe starting to move toward him in Philadelphia. But we know what Baker Mayfield turned into, obviously, first-round pick. Kyler Murray, we know what he's doing in Arizona, number one overall pick. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. So he knows how to coach quarterbacks, which is important, too, because the Lions, whether it's Stafford and kind of a guy you're trying to get the most of in the middle middle to late middle of his career, or it's a player you need to develop or some combination of both, Lincoln Riley knows how to help develop quarterbacks. And that is a really big key, I think, for the Lions because he's been a quarterback's coach for a while since 2010 if he hasn't been the head coach, he's been a quarterback's coach from 2010 to 2013 at East Carolina. 2014, he also did it at East Carolina while also being the assistant head coach. Then he went to Oklahoma, was the OC and quarterback's coach in 2015 and 2016 before he became the head coach after Bob Stoops stepped down. Before that, he was at Texas Tech, so he knows that system under Mike Leach pretty darn well. He came up in that system. He played in that system as a quarterback and then he was a wide receivers coach so he's got that kind of spread out mentality that could be really interesting and that's kind of the offensive system by the way he's also coaching another quarterback at the moment and Spencer Rattler that could be an NFL player but won't be available obviously this year I don't know if he makes the move this year but again like with some of these other guys I at least make the call and see if he's interested Make him say, I'm not interested, before you scratch him off the list. That's me, at least, because I think Lincoln Riley, again, he doesn't have any sort of NFL experience, but that's okay. Because I think you don't, I think you're, what you're seeing in a lot of ways is you don't need a ton of NFL experience or NFL experience to necessarily potentially have some success in the NFL. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury had a little bit of it, and Matt Rule had a little bit of it really one one year of it but that's okay you don't like I said I don't think you need to have that in order to necessarily be successful you're looking for someone who knows how to manage egos knows how to manage people and knows how to win and these guys know how to win by the way Cliff Kingsbury obviously had never been a coach on the NFL level although obviously he had played in the NFL a bit as a player for a while between there and the CFL so and now obviously he's doing pretty well in Arizona so those are three college coaches I would look at there are a couple other names that could potentially be interesting but I don't want to spend too much time on them at this point as far as like just pure kind of college coaches now we're going to get into the ex-NFL head coaches first name is one that you know I think he's super intriguing Potentially, and that's Raheem Morris, the now interim head coach with the Atlanta Falcons and the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Like, yes, you're going to remember Todd Gurley falling short of the goal line, but that wasn't Raheem Morris's fault. Like, literally everybody knows that, like, Raheem Morris even told him, hey, don't, don't do this, and it was said in the huddle, you know, fall short. And think about it, had that happened – Matt Patricia might have been gone sooner, and Raheem Morris is having a great run here with the Falcons, and it's showing, frankly, that I think he can take over a team that you know just needs a little bit of new leadership. I think it shows that he's maybe learned some stuff from his time in Tampa Bay. When let's be honest, his time in Tampa Bay did not go well. He went seventeen and thirty-one 
in Tampa Bay. But the 44-year-old, he's largely been an NFL coach, largely on the defensive side of the ball. He's coached defensive backs a good amount. That's kind of been his specialty. He did work a little bit with special teams early on when he was at Cornell back in 1999. He's worked his way up, though. He went. He was a D.C. at Kansas State, too. And then, obviously, after you know his time in Tampa, and then he was in Washington for a minute as a DB's coach, and then he really, since 2015, had been in Atlanta. And... Yeah, I mean, listen, I think he's a guy that you should consider if you're the Lions. He's 4-2 and two at this point in his run here. You have to wonder if the Falcons are going to consider just making him permanent, but considering they have a GM opening as well, you probably want to give the GM some say in that. I think he's learned from that first time because, again, when he was the head coach with Tampa, that was in his early 30s. Now, again, he's 44, so... That experience has changed. Like, he's learned. He's getting older. So why wouldn't he get a second shot? And as we talked about earlier, guys like Pete Carroll, even a guy like Bill Belichick, who, you know, was fired from Cleveland for differing reasons. But there are guys who are unsuccessful in stop one that end up being successful in stop two or stop three. And I think Raheem Morris is a guy that you can say has a shot of being really successful in stop two if you want to make that move. The next guy I want to look at is that you're probably going to cringe at this name. You're going to probably cringe at some of them, but Marvin Lewis. And listen, we all know how it ended in Cincinnati for Marvin Lewis, but Marvin Lewis was there for 16 years. And you can argue that maybe he shouldn't have been there for 16 years and that they should have moved on from him quicker because it was clear maybe where that team and that program was plateauing. But you don't survive in the NFL in 16 years if you are not a successful coach. He had six 10-win seasons there. He made the playoffs seven times. He finished with 131-122-3 and three record. And he would be a stabilizing force. Again, much like Jim Caldwell, guys liked playing for Marvin Lewis. Like, there's a reason he stuck around for a while beyond Cincinnati's questionable leadership at up top and incredible patience, more so than even Detroit. It's because the guy won. Like, I mean, he won four divisional titles in 16 years, which I think the Lions would take that at this point. And, I mean, if you're going to maybe hire a general manager that doesn't have much experience, say you're going for a young gun there, having a guy like Marvin Lewis who can basically be more of a steadying force and be a a voice of, hey, like, this is how it happened, this is how it worked, could really be helpful, I think, in a lot of ways. He's currently at Arizona State under Herman Edwards as a defensive coordinator. I don't know if he wants to get back to the NFL, but I would at least, again, much like, I would at least inquire, maybe talk to him, because what does it hurt for you to talk to Marvin Lewis at this point? Like, because even if you say, you know what, maybe this isn't going to work, for me, he is 62, so he is on a little bit of the older side. But I think you at least inquire. I really would. That guy can coach. He really, really can. And, yeah, I mean, yes, he hasn't won a playoff game, but one of the Lions won a playoff game. And sometimes change of scenery can be helpful. And maybe he's now seen stuff that he can do that would go di- go differently. And 
yeah, you can maybe point to Mike McCarthy and say, look, look what happened with Mike McCarthy so far in Dallas. But, I mean, Dallas is without Dak Prescott. And when you lose your franchise quarterback, that changes a whole lot of things. So, again, that's just another name to consider. Which brings me to the next name, Dan Quinn. And I think this would be much more of a long shot. But, again, if you want some stability, if you want some experience – Dan Quinn can provide that. He finished second or better in the NFC South in all but one year of his tenure. And actually, that year they made the playoffs at 10-6 and six in 2017. 0-5 was bad. The collapses were really bad. Like, those were awful. But it could be a change of scenery scenario. Now, obviously, considering how Matt Patricia collapsed in the fourth quarter at end of, at end of games, I think there would be a little bit of a shutter factor there. there. And... Again, he wouldn't be the first call I would make or be the first call the Lions should make. But if you want someone with some experience, he's at least a guy that has had some success. He obviously did reach the Super Bowl. And I think when you look at what happened in his career, at least in Atlanta, after that fall, you know, fall to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, which probably in some ways helped Pat Patricia end up getting the job in Detroit that you just need to kind of say, hey, maybe a change of scenery situation would be good for Dan Quinn, and maybe it could work. The last guy among ex-NFL head coaches uh, that I'm putting in this category is Dan Campbell, and he is the assistant head coach at New Orleans. And as I was talking about before, maybe there's only one guy other than Robert Saleh who has familiar, real familiarity with the Lions, and that is Campbell because he played for the Lions as a tight end for a while. He was an interim coach in Miami in 2015. He went five and seven there, which doesn't sound great, but considering he took over a one and three Joe Philbin led team, like that's not a bad thing at all. Like, I think that that's something that, you know, you can say, well, listen, he co- he got them to kind of rally around him. And I remember that, too. There was there were some people who thought that maybe he should get a shot because of what he was able to do with that team kind of once it once it kind of got going a little bit. So I think that he's a guy that could be interesting because he never really got that full shot to be a head coach. Right. Like kind of like what's going to potentially happen here with Daryl Bevel now where, you know, I don't. I don't know if you would consider Daryl Bevel uh, a strong candidate for this job, but if they go 5-0, and maybe. I, I don't know. But regardless, like this is something where this experience can maybe help Bevel down the road because he's going to finally at least get a shot to run some to run some his own show for a little bit. He's been with the Saints since he left Miami. He's become an assistant head, head coach under Sean Payton. He said in 2018 to my colleague Mike Triplett that the interim experience really helped him look in a more focused way at what Sean Payton did, both did right, and maybe things he would do differently in case he ever got a shot again. And I think having that level of experience and understanding could really help him, especially because he is a younger coach. And he's still not that old. He does have playing experience, which I think will give him some credibility. Obviously, some people will remember him in Detroit, which would give him a little bit more credibility. He's only 44 and he could be a really interesting kind of wild card name a little bit. Which brings me to the final three guys that I want to talk about who are the quote unquote, to me the quote unquote wild cards. 
The first guy is currently not coaching. That would be television analyst Urban Meyer. And to me, I think that, once again, that's a guy you call. He's an analyst on Fox. He seems happy there, but he's had the itch in the past to go back to coach. He's never coached in the NFL. The Lions can kind of at least reach out now and gauge his interest and kind of see if that would be something he wanted to do. And that's, frankly, a pretty quick and pretty easy phone call for Sheila Fordhamp or Rod Wood or if they end up hiring a search firm, whoever's in the search firm, to make. But he's 56 years old. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's never had a losing season as a head coach, and that's at Bowling Green, that's at Utah, that's at Florida, that's at Ohio State. He's 187-32 and 32 as a head coach. I would at least ask the question because guess what? If Urban Meyer is interested, I think you really make a hard run at Urban Meyer because you know that you're at least bringing in a guy that can win. Yes, it's different at college than in the NFL, but – Understand, he's taken programs that are not Ohio State and made them into big, big winners. And I would at least, I would want to see if he's interested, at least. Wild card number two is the guy he continually beat while he was at Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's always going to be on these lists. Obviously, things are going really poorly for Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor this year, but the guy is an incredibly successful head coach basically everywhere else. Yes, his act wears thin for a while, but he has true results in turning around programs. There's little to no question about that. And when you look at what Jim Harbaugh has done at a lot of places, even though it's going really poorly at Michigan this year, like he still wins. Like This might be the first year in a long time since Stanford days where he – hasn't won in some sort of big level. Now, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh would be interested, and I don't know if the Lions would really be interested in Jim Harbaugh, but I at least would maybe investigate it. Again, this is the benefit of time, potentially, and if you're going to cast a wide net. Because here's the thing with Jim Harbaugh, right? In college, he's 107-49, and and he has had precisely three losing seasons. First two seasons at Stanford, and trust me, he took over an absolute mess at Stanford in 2007. He went 4-8 and eight and 5-7. and seven. And then he went to Michigan. Well, then he went to the NFL, but then he went to Michigan, and he's three 10-win seasons in six years at Michigan. Not bad. Won more than eight games every year. This year, obviously, that's not going to happen as they're 2-4 and four and it's going really poorly. But don't forget, he has coached in the NFL, and he's 44-19-1 in the NFL. Won two divisional titles, made three NFC title games in a row, and did make one Super Bowl where he lost to his brother John. Even his last season, which was a bad season for him, they still went eight and eight and were third in the NFC West. And obviously he, you know, clashed with Trent Balk and with Niners management, and that was the problem where I get the sense when you see what management style looks like with the Lions with Sheila Ford-Hamp, with Rod Wood. The GM thing would be obviously a real question there, and you'd need someone who could work with Jim, and that maybe can sometimes be tough. But 
I mean, I think he would look at that management structure and say, okay, I, I can work with this because they're generally a lot more hands-off than some owner, other ownership groups, so I can run my system. But as we all know, his deal sometimes does get old. And that's, again, something to consider with him. I don't think he's going to necessarily be a strong candidate, and I don't necessarily think he's going to be interested, as he said, Look at my actions when he continually gets asked about the NFL, which he was earlier this year, and he continually points that he's still at Michigan, but it's not going well for him at Michigan. They lost to previously winless Penn State on Saturday, so could be one of those time for a change situations, which brings me to the last person and the last wild card, and if you made it this far, it's a little bit of an Easter egg because here's the last guy, Braden Combs, the current Lions special teams coordinator. So, yes, he's an up-and-comer, so maybe he could have been in that first group. But I put him here for two reasons. One, it would be surprising to see the Lions stay in-house with this hire at this point. And two, Detroit didn't bump him up to the interim role now. So, a couple things there. One, again, I just have a really tough time with them staying in-house for the head coaching role. Again, if Daryl Bevel goes 5-0... and that means you would have beaten Green Bay, you would have beaten Tampa, you would have beaten Tennessee on the road, you would have beaten Minnesota, and you would have beaten Chicago. And maybe it would prove that, hey, it really just was the ineptitude of Matt Patricia that was the problem. But barring that, I think you need a reset. And I think part of why you didn't see Braden get bumped up is that if you bump Braden up and then you don't keep him full time, you run the risk of lo- you have a much bigger chance, I think, of losing him for the next coach. And if I am the Lions, I want to keep him because he's been a bright spot. He is the best hire that Matt Patricia made. He might be the best personnel move, period, that Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn made during their time together was bringing him on staff. The guy is a revelation as a special teams coach. I have said over and over, if you listen to this podcast, I think he's going to be a head coach one day. So I think if you want to try and keep him for the next staff and continue to develop him, then I think you you, you kind of stick with him and you keep him in the position he is now. Because if you move him to interim head coach, I think it's a much harder step down. And I think also whoever the new head coach would be if you don't make him the permanent head coach would probably have a much tougher time keeping whoever the interim head coach was on staff because you're trying to obviously make sure that you know you were the voice that they listened to and then if there's any issues, they could say, well, he did this. So I know we talked about Marvin Lewis a little bit earlier, but you know, not that I'm saying Marvin Lewis should be a strong candidate or anything like that, but Braden and Kyle Kasky, their running backs coach, both did work under Marvin Lewis. So there would be some familiarity there with some of the guys on staff already uh, when you do make this move. But listen, Braden Combs can flat coach. Like I said, I think he's the best move that Matt Patricia made in his two-plus seasons in Detroit. I'm convinced he's going to be a head coach one day. Sometimes, like we were talking about with Joe Brady, you have to take that chance on a young guy if you think he's got the best plan. And I would at least maybe give him a chance to talk about that plan. If I'm the Lions, I I maybe at least would have a conversation to see what that plan looks like if he already has that 
But it would be like Joe Brady, and I would say even more so than Joe Brady, a massive, massive rise really, really fast for him. So he's probably a year or two or three or four away from being a head coach, but he's on staff now and I think he's I think he's a really intriguing candidate, but again, not one that I necessarily think would be a high level candidate at this point, but I think you at least have the conversation with him while he's on while he's on staff with the understanding of basically saying, Listen, we, we really would like to keep you. Uh, regardless, but of course, I think those decisions will be up to whoever the next coach is, if it isn't him. And but I think people would see that success and probably stick with it. At least I would. So thank you all for listening. Obviously, that's a lot of information to unpack, but it's the start of a is going to probably be a very long process here, especially since there's a GM deal going on and. They may have to hire the GM before they hire the head coach. And we're going to get into GM candidates here in the next day or so on the show. Just not sure if we're going to do the mailbag in between or if we're going to just jump right into GM candidates and then hit the mailbag after that. Still kind of figuring that out. It might depend on what my day looks like tomorrow. But I appreciate all of you for listening. I want to thank my sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. And with that, we'll talk with you tomorrow.